0: This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast.
1: Welcome back ladies and gentlemen, it's a brand new week and it's a great day to be in the studio once again My name is Joe Nagy along with Brandon Wirth and this is the MVSP podcast that you have stumbled upon Brandon, it's gonna be a great day, got a lot to talk about, but first, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing alright, a little tired, but you know what? I, I mean, Partying I w- too
1: hard from the Super Bowl last oh, night? It,
2: no, I wasn't partying. Just you know, stayed up a little late. But you know what? That's okay because it's a Monday and not, not too busy for me on a Monday. But lots to go over. The Super Bowl, Tom Brady, 7th ring. We'll talk about the real reason how he got his 7th ring. Uh, but first, Ferris State Sports Report. We had many Bulldog athletic teams in action over the weekend. Um, basketball, we'll start off with men's men's hoops. Um, getting the split with GV, GV. Um, Not necessarily the result we were hoping for. We wanted the clean sweep, obviously, but um, got the first win on Friday in a close one, 68-65, and then GV bounced back and beat us 70-51 in the doubleheader on Saturday. But, I mean, still good to get at least one win. I mean, GV's a pretty solid team. They're not necessarily the best, but they're not necessarily the worst. Um, they They were definitely up there. They've always been like a team where you're like, Okay, we have to be a little bit careful because yeah. regardless how they play, they always show up in tournament time and they always have pretty decent yeah. seating. But definitely good to see um, the Bulldogs get the win. Um, Michael Peterson had a pretty productive day on Friday, which was he, he put up a lot of shots. And um, Mike Pete's not necessarily the guy we see having like waltz type of volume shooting the basketball, but he was feeling it 4 of 7 yesterday or Friday, 19 points. I mean, he he was a really big factor in that win.
1: Yeah, definitely, and that's uh, that's really great to see, especially since I mean, it's probably going to be his last year as a Bulldog, and to see his uh, productivity go up and his amount of times to get the ball go up, it's just really great to see. But I mean, Grand Valley, I the Anchorbone Classic is uh, is a thing that like I look forward to every year. And Grand Valley, no matter how like like you said, no matter how they do during the regular season, anytime it's against postseason or anytime it's against uh, Ferris State, they always seem to turn on. And Ferris State does the same thing too when we play the Lakers because I mean, the the hatred runs deep. And I mean the anchor bone is one of the one of the most serious uh rivalries and I feel like in all of college basketball and all of college sports. So it was definitely good to see us get the win. Yeah, like you said, wish we could get the second one on Saturday, but I mean Ferris our Grand Valley just came back and they, they really were just in control of that game.
2: Yeah. I mean on Friday it was G V like they they they're a little bit better of a shooting team than they showed on Friday. I mean they were two of seventeen from three. Youch, that's not great. Um, and they turned the ball over a little bit too much. And honestly, like you look at how like you look at Friday, how that game looks on paper compared to how Saturday looks on paper, and you see a lot of similar things. It's just the second time around, like like Grand Valley just seemed like. They did a better job, I guess. Of, I don't want to necessarily like the the stat sheets look honestly different because like f- like we got outshot from three, but I mean we were th- three of twenty two, G- GV was four of seventeen. Like they're like we played a little bit worse than we did on Friday, and G and GV basically did the same thing, and that ended up helping them to the win. But I mean, it was just a interesting like because you look at how the game progressed, and it was kind of like. The first, the first game, it was more like we had a little bit of a lead back and forth, back and forth. And it seemed like the second game, like GV just came out on a romp and then we just couldn't catch up. And that really just, it, it really hurt us in the end. And we just, and even like talking about the women's team a little bit too, like they, we've seen some nights where they've just, they've been just chasing all game and they just can't get anything going. But it definitely showed that we had some guys that just, kind of ran out of of steam the second day, just didn't shoot as well. I mean, Mike had a little bit of a less productive performance, you could say. I mean, he still had eight. Like, Mike did bring so much to the table. Like, he still had eight rebounds, four assists, but instead of seven for 14, he went one of eight. Like, he missed the same amount of shots, but took almost half less shots, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, I mean, we just had a lot of times where we just – we just struggled, couldn't hit, couldn't get anything going. And GV had had some guys that definitely were hitting. Our Delion Brown had 20 points, Christian Eggen had 12. I mean, they they did a really good job putting the, the ball in the hole. The second game, Jordan Harris as well. I mean, they they have a pretty solid guard group that can really. They get like they're not necessarily the team that's going to be like. Um, I I can think of Parkside off the top of my head that shoots that can shoot pretty well on some given nights. And, like, they just seem like they they just find ways to win. And really, like, they took advantage of us missing in the second game.
1: Yeah, and there I feel like starting five is a little bit more spread out with the production that they're able to do. Because, like, when I was looking at the stat line for the first game, I was like, how did we win that game? Because they had, what was it, three or four guys over ten points. And I think we just had Michael and Walt who were close to 19 and 20 points. I just didn't understand how we could win that one. And then kind of when you look at just like the gameplay a little bit, that's kind of when it started to make just a little bit of a difference. But, I mean, second game, they just played the same, and we just didn't really match the competition that we put up the first night. And like you said earlier, that's the reason that we won because Grand Valley just kind of stayed consistent. And it sucks that they got the win because it would have been nice to see us get the sweep and kind of come out the anchor bone. Uh, the uh, I think – what is it? We would have won the anchor bone like three years in a row or something. Something like that, yeah. yeah. I or
2: a sweep, I think, of the anchor bone for yeah. three years. But it's tough. And I mean, obviously we hope we can see them again in the GLIAC tournament because we, we wanna we wanna we don't wanna leave this series at split. We wanna we wanna go get we wanna go get the win. But over on the girls' side, they were over in Allendale, actually on Saturday, Sunday. Uh, I disagree with how that was handled but it's okay I mean it's it's kind of hard to like they had to go play on Sunday with everything that's going on with the Super Bowl I mean the roads were kind of crappy over the week it was just like it was kind of weird why why the it was all men played on Friday Saturday and the women played on Saturday Sunday that just was really strange to me but I mean take that aside they still they still played over the weekend uh, GV unfortunately got the sweep over us first game 72 57. I, it really was just we just couldn't put the ball in the hole at times. We we definitely had some had some bad looks, had some good looks. Just it's, sometimes you just have the lid on the basket, and it's really hard to get that lid off. I mean, I it's it was it was just tough. I mean, sh- shooting twenty nine percent from three and thirty two from the field, it, it's just not going to get the job done. And GV did really well putting a physical presence down low, getting the rebounds, points in the paint. They just they just dominated us down low and exploit exploiting a weakness of ours so far in this young mm-hmm.
1: team. Grand Valley, I mean they're nine one the GLIAC. I think they only trail Ashland right now or or maybe they're even tied with Ashland. I, I forget what the, our, yeah or is that one their one losses against Ashland, isn't it? Um I don't remember. I'll have to check that I they they've them
2: Ashland and Tech are making the, the run for the, 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 the podium right now in GLIAC. Yeah. Those are the top three teams, and rightfully so. They're a good team.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, they really showed it, like you said. Uh, is I mean— we've just been kind of playing like this a little bit where I feel like we just don't come out as hot and then we just sometimes are training a little bit because we'll have those spurts of being able to match the competition especially when we play Grand Valley and stuff like that but I feel like we just fall a little bit short to that kind of competition because then we can't I've, it might run out a little bit of a might run out of a little bit of steam uh, and then just kind of Putter out near the end and then just can't really match that intensity. But I mean, when you look at kind of the quarters go out, I mean, third quarter, that's when we really turn it on, but then we just kind of bring it on the fourth quarter. I mean, we outscored them by 10 points in the third and then fourth, it just was kind of flip flopped and we couldn't really match that in- intensity. And I think uh, going into the second game as well, um, I mean, sixty to fifty-seven. We kept a little bit closer. I feel like we kind of learned from the from a from Saturday's game. Uh, but like you said, going into on, on a Sunday when you're playing on a Super Bowl Sunday, there's a lot of stuff going on that a lot of people are excited for, and you have to come in play a game. Uh, not really the greatest conditions either outside. It's just isn't. It's 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 not the uh, the best recipe for success.
2: Yeah, I I mean, when you look at a lot of these games, I think if you went to look at all the results. The compiled, scheduled scores of Ferris State women's basketball team this season, you look at all the box scores, the number one thing you're going to see so much is just we get off to slow starts in the first quarter. Like Both of these games showed that. I believe it was um, was 19-10 the first game. It was 21-10 in the the Sunday game. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we did a really good job of adjusting in the second and third quarters and really brought it back to a a dogfight in the fourth quarter. Uh, definitely a great showing from Samantha Kraust. She was great off the bench. She had 17 leading for the Bulldogs in Dang. this game. She was shooting the lights out, and I believe she had 12 in the, the Saturday game. Like She was great. She was really, really getting the job done off the bench, providing that spark. Um, backcourt did very did pretty well. Caden Blanchard, 8 points. Uh, Mallory McCartney with 10. Uh, Deshauna Day also had a great day. She had 12 points. Um, did have some turnovers, but... Yeah, yeah, those things do happen, but I mean, you, we. I mean, you don't have to be mocking up the box score and still making an impact. Like Ellie Dykstra had; she had, no, she didn't, she had one point in the entire game, but she had nine rebounds. Like she was, she was doing her best down low, especially against that physical Grand Valley presence that we've seen, especially in the first game. But I mean, we we definitely played better the second game, which is good to see. Um, we just, it's just, we're, it's really hard to like say okay like losing's okay cuz obviously we want to win but mm-hmm. there there are some good things that are coming out of these losses and trying to be as positive as we can that i mean this is this is Coach Kurt's first year with the Reigns on this team, and he's got a whole new whole new team to work with. I mean, dynasties take time. Bill Belichick wasn't a successful coach for how many years? Mm-hmm. So it's going to it's – don't don't go all I'm like, oh, my goodness, this team's terrible. They're not going to play any good. But this is the first year that we're figuring it out. and we're, we're seeing now how people fit, and especially now that we have a lot of young players as we're going to be losing a couple mm-hmm. of our seniors this year, but – a lot of bright spots in the future, but, definitely. I mean you just we're we're hoping to be up there like like Grand Valley's program and Ashton's program and definitely. Tech's program. We wanna be we wanna be up there. But yeah. Uh, moving on a little bit into oh Joe, you have Forgot to Forgot to say? mention
1: a couple of scores around the Gleeck. Oh
2: that's true. Go over I those. I know,
1: but uh women's side a couple of scores from around the Gleeck. Wayne State falls to Purdue Northwest, eighty one to sixty four. As mentioned before, Ferris State lost to Grand Valley, uh fifty seven to seventy two on sa- on Saturday, excuse me. And Lake Superior State falls to Davenport seventy-seven to fifty-seven. Parkside tops Ashland eighty what? to seventy-one. What? what? No way. Northwood beats, or excuse me, Northern Michigan beats Northwood fifty-five to fifty-three. That was a really wow. close one. And the Michigan Tech beats Saginaw Valley eighty to seventy. Dude, Parkside's
2: like when the, like watching that game, they have some girls that can shoot, and I think mm-hmm. it was Vaughn off the top of my head was one of their key players. I wonder how many points she had in that game. That that'll be that's interesting. But Ashland got beat. Anybody can be beat.
1: Anybody I know. That's can crazy. Be
2: that is nuts. But um, moving on over into hockey now. Um, Bulldogs were in action. We actually got a win. Kind of. I say sorta. that in quotation. Kind of I say that in quotation marks. We technically got the tie. It's what it's gonna be put in the scorebook. It was three three. But we did go to a shootout and we didn't win the shootout. So hey, bonus point. So we got two points instead of one. But um, we didn't necessarily have the same game.
1: The second That's game, Saturday.
2: <laughs> we don't need to talk about that because you know what? A win, we're gonna take the point when we get it, and we got one in the first game on Friday on the fifth. Um, win that tie three to three in the shootout. Um, definitely a weird kind of like the game started off. It seemed like like the first like there was just a hot there was just a hot period of time where it was like we we had a, Cole Norris had the first goal in the game. Then Bemidji had two straight, and then we came back in the second period. Lucas Finner scores an unassisted. And then um, Norris scores another. Like it was just back and forth. Like oh, now we have the lead, and then they tie it up. And then the third quarter was just no. There was no scoring. Like it was just so much setup, and then just mm-hmm. not very much. Ex- I wouldn't want to say excitement because obviously one goal on the line, and there was plenty, plenty of shots. I mean, there was not necessarily as many shots on target, but there was still some excitement there. Um, but. This was the interesting thing. Like we got the same amount of shots up as Bemidji in this game, thirty to twenty eight. Are not necessarily exactly, but pretty darn close. And that's something we haven't seen a lot in a lot of these games. Having the same amount of offense, and we had a couple unassisted goals, and I believe one of them was on a breakaway, uh, which was great. Which is great to see that we have we have some counterattack working. But it's it was definitely not great to see the second game's outcome. But you know what? You're gonna take the positivity mm-hmm. while you get it, baby.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Logan started playing pretty well, or pretty good as well. Um, him kind of actually starting to kind of fill in that role of being one of the main goaltenders for us. I mean, three three goals on thirty shots is is not too shabby at all. And I think that's kind of now he's starting to really uh, figure out what he's doing, and I think he's really starting to get comfortable. I feel like because now, I mean, we saw one, I think it was Minnesota State went or Minnesota State when they first played, and then he. Um, what was it? Four goals. He let it in on his first try, and then now he's kind of starting to fill it in. And Bemidji State's no no joke either. I mean, we saw in the second game they yeah, won seven ranked. to two. They're they're a very solid team. We're able to hold our own, and I mean, when you get to that when it, when it gets that many shots, especially thirty, it's bound to let a couple in. And I mean, you got to stay sharp, but there's only so much you can do. But it's so good to see us that we got a tie and we got a win because I mean, we needed that, especially in conference play. We needed to kind of switch up the switch up the game plan, switch up the uh, the calm a little bit and I think that's what we were able to do there because I mean it's it's definitely it's a it's a tough blow on morale and it's a tough blow on your mental game when you haven't really been seeing the results even though you've been putting in the work and when you've been playing solid.
2: Yeah. And I mean it, we were winning the second game. We were up 2 to 1 after the first period and then it just seemed like I don't want to say we got like hit by a truck, but it just seemed like they they just like unloaded on us. I mean right out of the gate they got a power play goal and then hand, they get one later shorthanded and then they get another power play and just 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 derail our confidence in the third period they just pretty much cleaned up the game and boy they i mean Bemidji State played very well in the second and third periods of the second game they really took control and just played phenomenal hockey but I mean, you just you got to give you got to give them credit for coming back in the second game, especially how that first one we had a lot of momentum. We had the momentum in the first period. We were looking to see if we can get a sweep, and they just denied that real quick. But not not the great not a great result, but still still good to see that we got at least one uh, one split. So that's I I say split in quotation marks, obviously because. It's funny because we won, but it's not going to say we won because they yeah, don't necessarily put count down the shootout. Yeah, it's going to be—it's just one extra point. So, uh, but some other news around um, athletics: uh, tennis was in action. Just women's tennis was playing at Valpo, uh, Valparaiso, That is um, lost five to two. Um, not still still early in the season, and um, obviously, like me and Joe aren't tennis experts, but. Um, Definitely, when you comes to a sport, it takes time to get back into it. Especially when seasons have been canceled and we had, some haven't competed in over a year. It takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes time to get it, back. You
1: gotta get used to that game, that game like experience, especially when you've been off for six months or however long it's been since they have played. I think they were playing around the time that COVID hit during the spring, and then they got kind of shut out and canceled a little bit. And then they kind of they had like the same experience for basically every other sport that's here at Ferris, and basically every sport that was going on at the time.
2: Yeah, um, Agata Clack, I believe, is how you pronounce her name. She got the win, or she got the win in her um the sing or singing the fourth singles pairing, and um I believe we also had uh, two doubles wins. Morgan Waller, Sam Stevenson won the the two doubles match, and then Sophie Del Delvitola. If I pronounce it wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, and then Patricia Gomez teamed up to get the win in the third pairing of doubles. So good, good to see some good to see some wins. Didn't get the overall win, but uh, at Valpo, the traveling like the traveling was probably pretty nasty because I mean we I know I was driving up. Uh, over the weekend up here in Big Rapids and roads were pretty bad at some yeah, point. They're, like, they're, it was not still, great.
1: They're still not
2: great. Yeah. It was it's it's hard, especially like you gotta you gotta take so much more time. You're on the bus longer. Like all these other things they're they're definitely it's it, it's difficult to 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 adjust to that. But um track and field was also in action. Um they had some great performances at um I believe they called it the um the Snowdown showdown very interesting name <laughs> choice because at first it was GBSU Open. They were like, you know, let's get creative. So they made the Snowdown Showdown there in Allendale. Um, Claudia Wilkinson and Amanda Islinger had a pretty good outing in high jump. I believe they both placed, yes, both placed fifth. Um, Carissa Shirt 10th place in 800 at 219. Senior Kylie Hutchinson um, with a 517 mile to put her 11th. Um, Hannah Laux was 11th in the 3,000 meters, and um, our 4x4s did pretty well, um, placing, I believe, 10th and 9th out of the, the whole teams that were competing. And um, Brett Robinson, or er, Robertson, 9th in the 200 meters. Um, ben Menapace, 9th overall in the 400. And Forrest Acres, placing 9th in the shot put. So good, nice. job, good job to our Bulldog track teams. Um, then we have another big set of news, if you haven't heard over big the weekend. News. Big, big news. I know I'm a little excited about this. Um, we have a new Center of Athletic Performance coming to Big Rapids. I am super excited. Yay. So the plan that is been put in place by the Board of Trustees Officially approved a fifteen point three million dollar upgrade. That's a lot of G's, my friend. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of G's. That's a lot of G's. We're um, the to upgrade and expand on the current athletic complex, which would be Engle Glaben and Wink. That that's that area is going to be expanded into including a new strength and conditioning space, multi-purpose room, um, volleyball court, and competition arena. I believe is the I believe that's what the what they're calling the Bulldog re- Arena edition on the the graphic if you've yeah. seen it on social media that's going to be the new volleyball arena which is very fair because parents had to walk. Like, if you want to get down to volleyball, you have to walk through like the ice arena all the way down the stairs. It, it was
1: really kind of a, a weird not the place great, to get Not to. the greatest setup at all.
2: Yeah, so that's completely understandable, and they're going to build a new entrance and a, a foyer area for that as well. I think that's a great idea. Um, they're going to have new locker rooms, um, new team meeting spaces, and then they're going to have some renovations and stuff to the the training rooms and stuff like that. Cool to see. This has been an idea for Long, a time. long time <laughs> long time it's been at least over 8 years i believe since we were hardcore trying to sell it and we even had um i believe we had monty brown in for a video that's still on youtube i believe having him come back and trying to promote it it's been a long time coming for this it's been an idea for a long time and now it's officially a reality and it's supposed to be done the ultimate goal is everything all the renovation the whole project's supposed to be done by december 2022 20, but the other the 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 center of athletic performance and the new volleyball or, or multi and multi-purpose area will be done in the summer of 2022, so going to be a year. But I mean, you know what? <laughs> it's going to take a long time. Yeah. You, don't, you don't just throw up an uh, upgraded athletic complex at a college. In, yeah couple a couple of weeks yeah now. you can't really do that so, i mean but it's gonna be cool i mean i'm i'm legitimately excited because i'm excited it,
1: for it too i mean there's a lot of things i mean when i go into like the when i go into a living gym wink arena it's like they kind of rot i don't want to be like too crass about it but like they kind of rival high school stadiums rather than kind of represent a college space or like a college arena by that and with like this new addition i mean it's finally gonna kind of really tie into, like, wow, this is, like, a college space. Like, I mean, volleyball is going to actually get a new spot, which is going to kind of make it so that it's just a little bit, like, just just better improvements and stuff like that. And, I mean, they're going to have improvements all throughout the the, um, athletic, basically throughout the athletic uh, performance center and stuff like that. And I'm really excited for it because it's going to kind of give new opportunities for kids who aren't even, or for students who aren't even athletes. They're going to be able to, I think, I don't know if they're. Whether, did they say they're making improvements to the Rubber Room, or are they're gonna kind of change that up? Oh, uh,
2: they're gonna they're gonna renovate a lot of the stuff in there. But the the main idea is they were gonna get the additions done first, and yeah. then they're gonna renovate other stuff so that teams have somewhere to be while they're yeah. making the renovations, which yeah. is great because you want you want them to have the maximum time in the facilities. Because I think yeah. some people don't realize that you we like give credit to a lot of our athletic programs. Like we've competed with the best in the GLIAC, and we have. We've had like the oldest facilities, not the greatest
1: yeah. No, training facilities, not the greatest like sports facilities. Yeah, of like the Gliac right we now. are
2: like our rate, our weight room is way too small. Like the fact is, like the you know, there is literally you have to sign. You have time slots for each team and stuff, and like f- like football obviously is going to be a, a main contributor to the strength and conditioning room, and like they've got so many players and they the, the room was so small like how like how like square footage kind of how big is that? I room? mean it's not that big like you could think of maybe like a i i don't even think it's big enough to be like it would be definitely cla- like a main classroom type of size or bigger i would say you could That's probably it? fit 20 30 people there maybe yeah that's it yeah that's that yeah like that's it like that's just a shocking like, it regu- is.
1: like regularly that's how many people yeah. can
2: fit in there yeah like we've they've had addition like they've had another separate weight room put up in the rubber room just so more teams can have more people in there and stuff but yeah like it's we've had like this for a long time and if you actually want to see it like you have to check out the 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 i believe it's called the the cat project, like promoting video, and Monty Brown is in it. And like, they're like, it'll show how small the weight room is. And like, we've, we've done a lot with the little, some of the little resources that we've had. And I don't want to say it like we've never had any, re- like, we've had resources, yeah. but like, when you go to Northern, you go to Grand Valley, you go to Saginaw, they have all these state like, of the art facilities.
1: Great stuff. I mean, like, Northern's like, I mean, I forget what they're basketball and hockey arenas are called. But, like, they have, like, the bowl seating. They got, like, a jumbotron in the center. They got a really nice scoreboard that hangs down from the middle. Like, it's a it's it's an atmosphere that, like, I feel like you'd want to watch in as a not an athlete, but I feel like it's an atmosphere that, like, a lot of athletes want to play in too because it gives you kind of, like, that feeling of, wow, like, this is, like, the next level of sports. This isn't, like, a high school arena where there's just stands on both sides and there's just people cheering on from that spot. You got, like, a whole atmosphere where everyone's looking down on you you're the center of attention and I feel like that's one thing that Ferris is lacking in some aspects for both Abel and Wink Arena but I think with the cap and with uh, with what's going on I think that's going to be able to change and especially Grand Valley too I mean they got the the field house that's like I forget how much money that was put up, but they've had that for they've had that for a lot of years. I remember my sister went there. They were, I think, that was like five years after they put that up, and like they got the track in there. I know you've ran there probably. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, they got the track in there. They got the the field house, and they got the um, the field for the uh, football team to practice when there's not any. When they basically can't, especially right now when it's, it's two was, degrees, when and it was snowing. one degree yeah. when I woke up this morning in my car and I turned it on. Like you can't practice outside. Like no. And yeah. I mean, we've been able to make do with it. I mean, Ferris is one of the we're very successful so far in the past five years, but I mean, if we were able to kind of make it so that we can build on this cap and we can or on the cap and we can build on what we're building right now, I feel like that's gonna be a really good really good situation for athletes that are coming into Ferris and future athletes too.
2: Yeah. What what we're saying is like we're not saying like oh we've we've never had the resources
1: or we've never We do we just, have
2: them but it's been it's been overdue that we need some upgrades yeah, and we finally compar- got them because so comparative grateful. to
1: everybody else yes. we're we're not at that point yet.
2: Yes, indeed. As now we move on into the NFL. We've got Super Bowl fifty five to discuss and to discuss with us. We have a friend from the Mike's and takes podcast. Travis Hicks is here. Travis, hello
1: and hey. welcome to the show.
0: Hey! Thank you guys for having me on. I'm very, very excited for this topic for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We know. I know. We
1: got some discussion to talk with you about. But Tampa Bay ended up winning the game, 31 to nine, against Kansas City Chiefs. Pretty good game uh, from the Buccaneers' defense and from the Buccaneers' side, I kind of thought. I mean, people can kind of argue a little bit, saying that the rest were on the Buccaneers' side and stuff like that. But nonetheless, the Buccaneers played a good game. Chiefs kind of felt a little bit short. I don't even think they scored a touchdown. Harrison Butger had all their points or something. Yep. I'm pretty sure. Um, but, yep. boys, what were your thoughts on the game?
0: Well, uh, <laughs> you guys know Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. I'm just so happy like guys you guys know the I'm probably the biggest Brady fanboy there is but yep. this was I'm not going to lie as, as happy as I was for Brady with the three touchdowns 21 to 29 the defense played a huge part in this game I this was the first time we really seen Mahomes look human you know yeah. so um he was running for his life but also Mahomes had some of the best incompletions I've ever seen in my life but uh the defense was great um, and Brady was able to capitalize over uh, the turnovers. There's two touchdowns to Rob the one to Antonio Brown, which he threw all three in the first half. Then kind of in the second half, just kind of game-managed. Leonard Fournette had a huge touchdown over a 25-yard run in that third quarter, which kind of broke it open. And the defense played steady. and I think now uh, Brady's the undisputed greatest quarterback of all time. I just think uh, I think he proved it again yesterday.
2: Yeah, I mean – Say what you want about Tom Brady. If you you love him because he wins, and you hate him because he wins, he wins. That's that's what he does. Bottom I mean, line. he's now gotten to the most ultimate prize position and taken home a trophy seven out of ten times, which is now more than all thirty-two NFL franchises combined. That's just <laughs> or not combined, but all seven or all thirty-two franchises have um, a team total. Of six or less Super Bowls and Tom Brady has seven that just shows you how great he's been and I mean whenever stage he's on he plays his heart out and that defense did a fantastic job they were I think they were really a big reason why they won this game I mean they only like Todd Bowles did a fantastic job of sticking with the game plan because they only they could have rushed five six try to really get after Patrick Mahomes but they did it with four. I mean, you get to rush Patrick. They they literally pulled a game plan that you would normally throw at Brady against Mahomes. And you got him absolutely flustered. I mean, they had, they had injuries. People banged up on the offensive line. Eric Fisher did not play in this game. And it really showed. I mean, t- Patrick Mahomes was literally like... He's like when you first start out in Madden and you're just... I got to get away from everybody and just every every single play is a bootleg you're just getting out of the pocket like you got a rookie offensive line that's what it looked like I mean he was pressured I believe 56 56% of his dropbacks that's ridiculous like Man. that's crazy the fact is like he was he could not stay in one spot he was having to throw while getting hit in the pocket, or he was running outside, running away from five, Did you see six the diving throw. Where yeah, he threw it
1: like thirty-five yeah. yards.
2: He made like a diving <laughs> supine throw, <laughs> yeah. and somehow it was like four inches from the ground and still threw it. Perfect thirty spiral. Yard. Perfect throw, yeah. and Harman yeah. drops it.
0: <laughs> Mahomes is an animal. I can't. As happy as I was to see Brady win, Mahomes' future is bright. I have no doubt in my mind he'll be back. It's just everybody goes through these types of growing pains that. This, just so ha- this is the first loss he's had by double digits in four years since he was at Texas Tech. But also, I- this is a big take, but I also think you guys might agree with me. I think Brady and the Buccaneers just completed the greatest championship run in the history of sports. and I'm going to tell you why. So first, they win three road playoff games to win the Super Bowl. First team to ever do that. And they became, I believe, the fourth or fifth wildcard team to win the championship while all games on the road. Brady just beat Drew Brees, who holds pretty much every regular season record. Aaron Rodgers, who w- just won the NFL MVP this past weekend. And Patrick Mahomes, who probably is the greatest 25-year-old we've seen in our lifetime. That is, I think, the greatest Super Bowl run, especially with him being 43, a new system, a team who'd been the sucking years. You know, they hadn't made the playoffs <laughs> since 07. And they hadn't won they the Super Bowl bad. since. Yeah, like, this team was historically bad. And Brady, just his culture... I think this is the greatest run in su- uh, sports history. What are you guys' thoughts on that?
2: That's an interesting take. I don't. I don't think it's that far off. Obviously, some people are going to have their own mm-hmm. opinions because they can. Because some people would probably say that that the the Giants. I believe it was. Um, or the, I think it was 0, or I believe it was O seven seven when the, they took down the, the, the perfect Patriots. that would have been probably an argumentative one. but no, like I think that is completely fair. I think a lot of people don't realize like obviously when you have a guy like Tom Brady, you getting to the Super Bowl. Is honestly expected. Anything less than that's a fail. Like that's just the way that the way everybody has perceived Brady. It is either you make it or you lose. Like that. There's no in between. Like it's not like the Bills where you're like, oh yeah, we won the division. Oh, we got to the AFC Championship <laughs> game. And but uh, for Brady, it's like, oh, we got the AFC Championship game and we lost. Uh, that season sucked. That's like that's like just what he brings. Like so, I think. I mean, the the road they had to get there was probably the toughest they could have had. I mean, if they would have probably played. Like the like the Rams or the Seahawks or the the any any other team, I think it we it would have been a different story. But the fact is, they had to play they had to play a Washington team that was extremely tough. Then they had to go play New Orleans, and then they have to go play Green Bay, and then you have to go play Kansas City. That is one of the toughest routes that you could that you could make. I think that's a pretty good argument. I don't. Thank you. It, it'll it'll definitely be one of the top. I would say for sure, especially with the COVID season and now this. The team dynamic changed a lot in the off season. I think you could. I think you can make that. Ar- I mean, it's just flat out incredible. Tom just changes one team and he goes to the Super Bowl because that's just that's just the type of player <laughs> he is.
1: And I mean, he can just bring players with him too. I mean, I what was the, what was the stat line or not the stat line, but it was like the statistic. Now that him and Gronk are, they set the record or they keep on setting the record for. Uh, yeah, they two, they did two players of... in between touchdowns for the postseason. Yep.
0: Yep, they just passed Montana and Rice yesterday.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's just crazy to see that they've been together for so long and they had the success for so long. And just to see Tom Brady, not only I mean, he had so many more people to pass through other than Gronk and he just still finds them. And to see just like the, and I mean, Antonio Brown got a touchdown as well. They just played it really well. And from what I just from what I've seen, I mean Kansas City. I mean when when they when they're on the offensive side and the Buccaneers are able to pressure them without blitzing and try to collapse the pocket and force Patrick Mahomes out, that's what they really did and that's what they really did succeed in. And I mean you really got to give. Some credit to Patrick Mahomes because I feel like a lot of those drops that were on the receiver's hand, or that were basically the receiver's faults, those could have turned into big plays. I mean, Travis Kelsey had the one where I think it was, I forget if it was third down or fourth down, but it was, it was like... a third down on yeah, the sideline, yeah. he could have got the first down, but he just hits his hands and he drops it. And then it was the one between Travis Kelsey and uh, Tyreek Hill where it's in the end zone, and then they just get mixed up with each other and they miss the ball and it drops. It was just stuff like that that really kind of, I feel like made it so that Kansas City realized, like, we can't really come back from this. Yeah,
2: I can't believe there's some people that are...
1: I can't believe there's people
2: out there that are saying that Patrick Mahomes had a terrible game. Like, he did not have a terrible game. He was literally running away from five guys every single play. Like, there was no pocket presence whatsoever. I mean, the run game was... The fact they didn't use a run game early on... I mean, yeah, Tampa Bay, Mm. number one rushing defense. I get that. But, like, if you're in the situation where, like... You're you're get you you just literally cannot stay in the pocket and throw. What like whatsoever. Like how how they didn't yeah. they necessarily they didn't go to automatic bootlegs or they didn't try any outside runs or just trying to get some sort of space and get away. Like like it was just like why in the world are like is why is Eric Bienemedy calling all these shotgun passes every single time when their pocket is just collapsing in on him every time? That was something that I don't understand, but I mean, in the end, I mean, you got to give Tampa Bay credit because that pressure, being able to put four and just throw Mahomes completely off, off his, I wouldn't say off his game, but making it as tough as possible, and you got seven guys back there in coverage. I mean, that can explain the two interceptions. But the people that are saying Patrick Mahomes had a terrible game, that that's just simply not true. He just just simply did not have anything to work with.
0: Oh, yeah, Brandon, I completely agree with everything you just said. I I was seeing that, too, a lot on social media, and I was kind of going back and forth with a little bit of people because Mahomes did all he could. Brady, to me, played better than Mahomes, but Mahomes was under constant distress, and he can't make the guys catch. You know what I'm saying? He He can't throw it and catch it for him. Yeah, like Nicole Hardman one time hit off literally his helmet. That could have been another touchdown. And they had opportunities, and they just didn't capitalize. Like literally in the second quarter when the Bucks are up 7-3, and the Chiefs defense makes a great stop stopping Ronald Jones back-to-back plays on third and fourth and goal. Then they had an opportunity right there to get a touchdown. So it's not all on Mahomes. Yes, he didn't have his best game, but it was mainly the defense. Um, Dean White, obviously a uh, Winfield uh, taunting Tyreek Hill. I thought that was. Pretty cool. I thought so that, so that was guys, that was funny. You know, I, la- I I mean, laughed
1: about it. that was cold. Karma gotcha there, buddy. If you guys
0: uh, if you guys remember um, back in Week Ten, Tyreek Hill did that to him because Tyreek yeah. Hill had over 200 yards in that first uh, first quarter when they played the first time. So yeah. I thought that was great by them to like kinda get that revenge and. They just believe, like Leonard Fournette said after the game, Brady texted these guys every night leading up to the Super Bowl at 11 o'clock at night, every night for seven straight days, saying, we're going to win this game. We're going to win this game. And Brady just brought that trust and belief to um, the team, and he made these guys like Scotty Miller feel, you know, like he's very good, Tyler uh, Johnson. You know, even though Rob Gerskowski and, and Antonio Brown are there obviously solidified and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? He made these guys believe, and he told them. Cameron Bate, another great guy who's kind of flown under the radar. Brady really, um, I mean, the it's just so crazy to me. 43 in his first year with a new team, and I think you guys will agree. I think he destroyed the argument that he's a system QB and he can't win without Belichick. We obviously still have to give Belichick a few years for him to get a QB to see what the Patriots can do in the future, but. I just I think it's not too far-fetched to say the Bucks can't repeat, or we possibly see this matchup again next year, because I think the Chiefs' path to get back to the Super Bowl shouldn't be too bad. I don't really see anyone beating them either.
1: Yeah, I think it's that the Buccaneers can kind of keep uh, keep this system that they got going, and kind of keep the guys around. I mean, if they keep if they can keep Leonard Fournette around, because he did really well. I mean, he was a really big pain uh, for the Chiefs' uh, defensive line. He was basically breaking through. I think was averaging. Close to five, six yards to carry. And when you have Good. that and when you get to those situations where it's, you know, third and four, third and five, you can just get it to Leonard and he can just get the first down easy and then you can just reset on downs and get ready to go. I think that's just takes a huge weight off of Tom Brady's shoulders and kind of that system a little bit and kind of gives them a little bit more breathing room for what they want to do. But I completely agree with you, Travis. I think that the Buccaneers can probably repeat uh, Tom Brady. I mean, when he has what he— What he has, what he has, he's definitely going to be able to do something with it. And, I mean, Chiefs, they're definitely going to use this game as fuel. They're going to really just get ready for next year because, I mean, from what I see, it it's just going to be Chiefs. I feel like next five years, it's going to be all Chiefs. And, I mean, Buccaneers, they have a chance for however long Brady's contract is up. I feel like they're going to have a chance to make the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, and I think one person that is not getting enough credit for this game last night is Jason Light. The, the oh, yes. this yes. man is he's been through, he he was through a lot of stuff and like like you said Travis the Succoneers have really they, they have not been a great football team the the last couple of years before like they they had I believe one winning season where they were in the playoff bubble I believe it was in the early 2010s. And um, I or it actually might have been the 2000s. They were 10 and 6 at one point. And then the really the yeah. closest they have had, They had, they had another, I think, nine and seven season. And really the the closest that you could probably say in recent memory was last year with Jameis when they were seven and nine and kind of on the bubble for a while. And like that that was just like they never really had like the team aspect where it was like, oh, this team on paper is going to go to the Super Bowl. And you go out in the, you the offseason, you're talking with Tom Brady. And th- this also is a side note. Tom Brady was less look out for, less like inquired about by other teams than Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz. Because he only oh had gosh. two offers by what we've been told. There was only two teams that were, after he was talking with when his contract with New England came up, and th- this whole thing happened last year. Like, oh, is he going to leave? Uh, I don't know. There were only two teams that were linked to aqu- like acquire talks with him. Tampa Bay and the Los Angeles Chargers. Those were the see, only two teams. And could you see, imagine if Tom Brady went to the, t- the, the Chargers also? That would have been nuts.
0: I think that is insane to me. This guy is the greatest of all time. The chargers still got obviously Justin Herbert, who in my opinion had arguably one of the greatest rookie seasons ever. His future is very bright, but like the points you just said, this is basically the same roster. They only really added Rob and Antonio Brown. And I mean, they did get Leonard Fournette too, and some pieces on defense, but this team literally went seven to nine. Then Brady like made them a super bowl champion. As much as I love Michael Jordan, God knows I do. I believe Tom Brady has eclipsed him as the greatest athlete in sports history, in my opinion. I know that's another big take just because Mm. to win seven and ten, Jordan six for six is amazing. And that that's just unheard of, but it's so hard in football because it's one game. Basketball is a seven-game series, so you can go to a game six or a game seven, and still have that extra game at home potentially. Brady, to win seven out of ten and the way he's done it, basically six-game winning drives, and this was the biggest win he's ever had in the Super Bowl because before this game, the biggest points differential in a Super Bowl Brady ever had was against the Eagles, which was eight when they lost 41 to 33 just in 2018. So I, I think he's eclipsed them as the greatest athlete. I think Brady is definitely if people don't want to say he is he's definitely in the conversation for sure as the greatest athlete cuz to win 7 and 10 tries is i mean it's ludicrous
1: yeah I, I think i think he's probably like he's definitely up there as the greatest athlete of all time i don't know if i agree with you probably putting michael jordan over him because i mean 100% win rate in the in the finals is, is something true, else true, that yeah. that i don't think a lot of people can match but nonetheless i mean 7 for 10 for a lot of people who are just saying who keep saying that he's not the go to football i mean <laughs> what he's been able to produce and the results he's been able to get is pretty much undisputable, and there's no chance that you can tell me that he doesn't deserve that the goat title, especially now since he, I mean, he already had more than one hand, but now he's kind of working on the second one already. Almost, pro- he might be able to get all ten fingers a ring, and I think at that point that he's already undisputed greatest of all time for football. And I mean, you can make the argument definitely that he is probably the greatest athlete of all time, but. Like I said, I mean it's kind of tough to argue with Michael Jordan, but nonetheless, Brady. Oh, 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 gets no, Joe, you're it, right. Yeah, but nonetheless, Brady. Brady got the job done. And I think uh, Brady really kind of shut up a lot of haters saying that he wasn't going to be able to lead the Buccaneers to a to a Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, and you In, have you have open, oh, sorry, go ahead. okay. Um, you you also have like all the people that are like oh well he's always had an elite supporting cast and all all of these other things. But I mean the reality is he came into a, a, a new system with Bruce Arians and he had. All like a whole change, a whole change in scheme, whole change in dynamic, and the the fact is like they they made it work in the first year. I think that's so insane. That's like that's just a whole like we've seen how dynasties have been built. Like obviously in the first years of the Patriots with Tom, they weren't as successful. It took time. And then he, they really found their stride, and then they hit their playoff streak, and everything was clicking. And then he goes over to the Buccaneers and makes this happen. It's just crazy. And I mean, back to our, back to my, um, I mean, like you got to give the front office and Jason Light credit for bringing in guys like, oh yeah, we're we're gonna talk to Tom, and they end up getting Tom to come. They get Rob Gronkowski to come off the beach in Cancun and come play with them, <laughs> like that. And then you go out and you say, oh wait, why is this? Why is Leonard Fournette on the waiver? Oh, let's go talk to him and bring him in who had a monstrous night of over 120 combined total yards last night in the Super Bowl. And then, oh, what else better to have Tom Tom tutoring and bringing Antonio Brown back to uh, a much more collected version of himself playing football again and getting a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I mean, the fact... That it was Fournette, Gronkowski, and Antonio Brown that got the touchdowns. It wrote the story script, literally perfect. I can't wait to read all these articles from all the journalists saying, "Oh my goodness, is this not a fairy tale or what?" This is that was it's just a crazy night.
0: Guys, I love everything you're saying. Can you say it again for the people in the back? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, you both are very like right. I think this season just is insane. I actually on mics and takes going back to week one when me and Barry made our uh, Super Bowl predictions, I said the Buccaneers would win this, the championship this year. So I did predict this, even though I wasn't very confident at times because it was a bumpy road when they were seven and five. But the fact that, like you said, Brandon, to win it in year one, I believe they can be even better next year. And like you said, Joe, if they can bring the pieces back, like guys like Scotty Miller, Tyler Robinson, then um, Rob Gerskowski, Antonio Brown. This team, I think they still have at least with Brady. I know next year is the last year of his contract. But I'm going to say a two- to three-year window of another championship just because I give Brady at least two more years of playing at a high level because this man has not falling off a cliff like Max Kellerman has said. Like He is just <laughs> getting better. And I've never outside of lebron james and jordan to to an extent because he retired i think brady has had the greatest longevity of any Mm. athlete he's aged like fine wine guys like when brady won his first super bowl in 2002 patrick mahomes was in kindergarten and he just and, and you got to think, these things are insane. Calvin Johnson played a whole NFL career and just made the um, Hall of Fame as the youngest wide receiver to ever make it. And Brady played in the Super Bowl last night. And he was 30 when Calvin got drafted. So all these different factors. And Brady knocked off the narratives of Drew Brees might be better. Aaron Rodgers might be better. You know, he killed all these narratives every week, the roadblock. So... I really don't know what the motivation is now, obviously, besides going for eight, because you've kicked off. the Mahomes is still the best QB in the game, but you just beat the hottest guy in the league. So Mm -hmm. I think um, next year is going to be even more fun. I think one of the challenges, though, this is going to be surprising uh, to hear me say it. uh, I think Matthew Stafford and the Rams can continue with the Buccaneers next year I think that's a team to look out for as much as I troll Stafford I think Stafford has the pieces around him to make the Rams a legitimate threat in the NFC I think them and the Packers will be the Buccaneers biggest threats next year especially if Drew Brees retires
1: yeah definitely I mean I've been saying that too especially now that Matt Stafford he finally has people around him he has finally has a good defense uh, to kind of uh, complement his offensive uh, prowess and I mean, he's a quarterback that, I mean, Jared Goff could not, I feel like, could not play through adversity, I feel like. I mean, Matthew Stafford's been able to play through a separated shoulder. He's been able to play basically with a broken back. Was that last year or two years ago? He's a guy who's a dog who's going to fight to the end, and I mean, I'm super happy that he's at the Rams, so I gotta agree with you Travis, saying that uh, Rams do have a chance to kind of really squeak in there and kind of maybe upset a little bit of people and kind of disrupt the the music a little bit, but one thing to go back to Tampa and stuff like that, uh, one thing I do just kind of seeing Tom Brady win this it kind of reminds me just of what his mentality is like and what he's able to do as a leader on the team being able to like uh, really influence these guys I mean because I mean, they were guys are upset with uh, not making Pro Bowls and stuff. And he said, "We're not. I don't care about Pro Bowls. I don't care about any of this. I care about the next one. I care about the next ring. I care about the Super Bowl because that's like the biggest, most important thing that teams got to focus on. And for him to bring in that mentality and that intensity for a lot of these guys who maybe aren't used to kind of having a leader on the team who's ready to step into that role and kind of show these guys what winning's all about, especially for his repertoire and his um, rap sheet of what he's been able to do. I think that's one of the main reasons why they were able to win is because his influence." And his culture that he's been able to bring into the Tampa Bay uh, organization is one thing that I feel like is going to really influence them and influence a lot of these players that are on the team currently uh, for the next couple of years.
2: Yeah, I think that's something that they really haven't like. There's not necessarily like you look at a lot of these guys in the NFL, the elite quarterbacks. You look at guys like Mahomes. You look at you look like you look at guys like Rodgers. You look at guys. You you have all these great quarterbacks. You could probably throw Drew Brees in there at least for the time being until he officially retires, or maybe he comes out right there. I, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm not throwing speculation, but <laughs> you, you never know. But you have, and then you have like the young upstart guys. Like you got Josh Allen, and you got you got all these guys. And like, there's never been like a guy that's just a straight up. I wouldn't want to say just a, like obviously they're all leaders to an extent, but right. the the vocalization. The, the ability to bring guys in to see the bigger picture and to keep them on the road, regardless of the adversity. Uh, like, Tom has just been that guy. He's really never been like, oh, he's not throwing the ball 80 yards down the field. He's not going to be the guy throwing at 15 arm angles. He's not making all these crazy throws. But he, he the he is the glue that brings a lot of these teams together that can keep them on the course and always be seeing the the Super Bowl in his mind, and that's just been something that like a lot of people really haven't realized. Because I mean, you 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 look at the skill sets and you compare them to Rodgers and Mahomes, and that's where the comparison is. Oh, Mahomes and Rodgers are, can be better quarterbacks, and like you want to compare skills, that's fine. But Tom Brady, his, his ability to bring the chemistry and be able to control the game and then make those big throws and be able to understand what's going on and make the right calls and keep his team together. I mean, that's really what won out in the end because the Chiefs have all the skill in the world. They have a phenomenal roster. But it's in the end, the Buccaneers chemistry, their game plan, how they all trust each other, how they all made it work. It's the reason that they're Super Bowl champions.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. and I'm excited uh, to see like for things to come for next season from them and other teams because this whole season, guys, as you guys know, and you guys probably agree, thank God, especially in the pandemic, we were still able to have a Super Bowl. The fans, I thought it was really cool that they had 7,000 of the fans being first responders, those people, you know, working hard during the pandemic. and. You know, this was a special season, a lot of great things. You know, obviously Rodgers winning the MVP, Mahomes still having a great season, Lamar Jackson getting his first playoff win, and now uh, Brady capping off with another ring. Uh, I'm excited uh, for next season. I think um, they're going to have more firepower and possibly a repeat.
2: Yeah, I think that's a – I mean, you definitely got to consider them as, oh, yeah, you like going into next season you're going to be saying, oh, yeah, Buccaneers are going to be one of the top teams to bet on to win the Super Bowl because they. that's what – If especially if they keep everybody around, really, it's just, all right, oh, yeah. run it back. The Chiefs literally did that. They ran the whole season back. They had a little bit different outcome, but they still made it. But I, I think that's definitely something that can be considered. Some other funny or some cool stats here before we uh, move into a little bit of a different topic uh, – Tom Brady now, 34 career playoff wins, and he has more than twice the number of the next closest quarterback, and that is Joe Montana with 16. That's crazy. He also has seven Super Bowls more than any other NFL franchise, like I mentioned before. Bruce Arians is the oldest head coach to win a Super Bowl in NFL history. He's 68 years old in 127 days. Age is just a number for Bruce Arians. He's still getting (laughs) the job done, man. Um, Yes, sir. This one I think is pretty pretty speaks speaks volumes right now, especially after this game. Patrick Mahomes is he is six and two in his postseason career as a quarterback. He is six and zero against. Any other opponent than Tom Brady, is 0-2 against Tom Brady. That's that crazy. Is something that's really gonna sink in, especially after last night. And also, Tom Brady, the only or the, he's the second quarterback to win a Super Bowl with two different teams. The only other being Peyton Manning, the sheriff, and, with Denver and, and
0: Indy. Yes. Also, fifth Super Bowl MVP most in history, too.
2: That is true. Fifth Super That's Bowl. That's crazy. I think he read that off my – did you virtually read that off my screen? <laughs> I just, literally just had that pulled up. But, yes, five Super Bowl MVPs, man. He plays big, – big man Brady plays big in big games. That's what he does.
1: Totally, but yes,
2: sir. Um, moving on a little bit here to wrap up the show. Um, we there is some other news going around. Uh, I think this is definitely kind of a publicity stunt going on with the the whole Super Bowl thing. But um, definitely want to hear what your guys' thoughts about uh, Carson Wentz has reported that, that he's going to be traded and it's going to be a blockbuster and it's going to be very soon. And that is something very interesting. But. There are some names on the table right now of where Carson Wentz will end up next season with this trade supposedly happening as early as this week. And that's going to be going to be something we're definitely going to watch. Apparently that Nick Sirianni does not feel that he needs Carson Wentz but Jalen Hurts can be the answer. But here are some of the teams that are on look, looking like they are looking at Carson Wentz and possibly making offers. Well, I want to hear what you guys have to say is the best fit. Obviously, Indianapolis, the Bears, the Panthers, right. the Broncos, the Jets, and even the Washington football team. Where I could Carson Wentz go? Travis, how about you start?
0: I think I agree with all those teams, but like I said on um, the show last Monday, I think the Steelers, if Big Ben doesn't come that is, back, that no. could be that could be interesting, and Wentz, at this point in his career, needs to try to revamp, because a lot of people don't even realize he does have a ring, but that was only because of Nick Foles, so he, ever since he had that MVP-type season in 2017, he's really fallen off, so I think Wentz only being 28, still technically in his prime. I think all those teams fit the best, but I think out of all those teams, even though I would like to see him in Pittsburgh, the Colts might make the most sense because you saw what Phillip Rivers was able to do in one year with the Colts. They have the weapons. They all all they need is a QB. So I think Indianapolis is a place he'll probably end up going.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, I to be honest, I'm not. I honestly don't feel like Carson Wentz is that much of a hot commodity. Like you said with, I mean, that Super Bowl season, I mean, Nick Foles was really the one that kind of led them to the championship. I mean, Carson Wentz had a very good regular season, but I feel like the championship was probably more because of Nick Foles. Um, I don't really, I mean, any nap was probably one of the better fits, but like I just don't know if he'll make a really immediate impact wherever he goes because I don't really think he's like... I don't think he's in the top caliber quarterbacks in the NFL right now. He's kind of middle of the pack, even probably lower middle pack if that. True. And I mean, if he's able to go somewhere, I just don't know what he's going to be able to do. It'll probably have to be the right fit with the kind of pieces around him and able to not really have, I, if he has all the pressure to basically be the one to save the team, kind of be the one that's going to be the turnaround. I don't think he's going to be able to produce. Cause I don't think in, I don't know if we'll be able to handle that pressure, especially with um, him just not being able to have that skill set yet. And um but in Indianapolis, I feel like, cause Michael Pittman is there. He was he had a really good year. T. Y. Hilton's there too, and like their defense has been really solid. Uh, if Steelers uh, need a quarterback, if Big Ben's not there, I feel like that could be a good fit too, because they already have the pieces around him to maybe have some do some damage his first year there and kind of build up his confidence a little bit. But other than that, I don't really see any too too many places that could be uh, basically all the stars line for him to really do some damage and really for him to. Have an impact where he's comfortable and he's able to kind of really, kind of live up to the hype, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting is um, the Steelers is an interesting uh, idea, and I, I there was also that they um, went out and they signed Dwayne Haskins to a contract, and I don't know if that necessarily means they're trying to groom him to be the next answer, or they just were they're just in the situation where you know what we need. We need a guy that we can have as a developing backup, and they want to go out and get somebody else too, because that could be a very intriguing option. Him in Pittsburgh, um, I did. I mean, most logical the one that makes the most sense obviously is Indianapolis for like a number of reasons. I mean, the Colts have been the, been the team that's gone out and f- tried to find guys in free agency. They've not been the trying to groom a lot of guys. They went out and got Jacoby Brissett. They went out and traded for Phillip Rivers or signed Phillip Rivers. Sorry. And they, they, they've always been looking out really the only quarterback that they've really groomed from the top is Andrew Luck. And obviously, because he was one of the best quarterbacks coming up in the draft when they had the top pick. So, I think that I mean any and I mean obviously a reunion with Frank Wright makes sense. I mean, he was with Frank Wright and he was really kind of his his coach for the longest time in Philly and then like with Doug Peter before Doug Peterson kind of took over that that position. So I mean, that one makes the most sense. I think the Bears is a really intriguing option because the fact is when you look at the quarterbacks that Chicago has produced and traded for I mean, Carson Wentz fits that mold of Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. And, I mean, hey, the Bears have already went out and gotten a former Eagle, so, I mean, it could happen twice. Yeah. So, But, um, I mean, if he wants a really immediate impact where, like, uh, if you go, I think the team that you that he could go to and you could instantly say that he would make that team better is probably Washington just because they yeah. made it all the way to the playoffs with out a quarterback. And that's no disrespect to comeback player of the year, Alex Smith. But he's not what he used to be. And obviously Taylor Heineke's not the answer. Dwayne Haskins was not clearly the answer as they cut him before the season even ended. So I think just that just the ability of having a veteran quarterback presence can give them a good chance. But I, I mean if you throw him to the Bronco or the the Panthers or the Broncos, I'm not sure if he's gonna make the same impact. The Bears, maybe, but that, that fit that like if you're if the Bears sign him that they're they're not doing anything different. They're doing the same type of thing and obviously it yeah. hasn't worked. So that doesn't make sense to me why they do that. So and, I mean, it, 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 it'd be interesting, especially if he went to Washington, inner, inner division that'd be, oh. Ooh.
0: I, I kind of like Tyler Heineke, though. I like the fight he put up against Brady, because if you remember, they only lost that game 31-23. Oh, yeah. So he could, he could potentially be somewhere. But went to Chicago would, in a way, make sense. But then again, like... He's put up the same production as Mitch Trubinski and yes. Nick Foles, and really do much. So, in the Bears, are, it's really sad because the Bears are a Super Bowl defense type team, but they're just missing a QB. So, I think like it'll be really interesting where he goes. But Wentz wherever he goes, he needs to like make an impact and like show his worth again because. He, he's looked, like Joe said, he's really looked really bad because now he's not even in the middle pack no more. He's kind of like in the bottom tier for QBs. A lot of people are looking at him like that. So I do think a team, though, as far as, like, the Eagles, I think they're going to be um, better next year with Hurts as their QB and um, him having more time to kind of develop uh, with skills like that.
2: Yeah, that that would be interesting. Um, we're our, The final name we'll throw out before we end the show Deshaun Watson reportedly, the Texans saying they're not going to trade him. Is this going to be a scenario where Deshaun Watson is not going to play a single snap for the Texans next year if they don't trade him?
0: All right, boys. All right. This is this is a touchy one for me. No, I'm just But this is literally a James <laughs> Harden type situation that we just saw a few weeks ago before he got traded to the Brooklyn Nets. If the Texans, you have to trade him. If he does not want to be there, it's going to cause him to not really maybe take the game seriously. Not like Brandon just said, not want to play, and it's only going to hurt your team because literally we just saw James Harden get fat, then literally lose thirty pounds in two days when he got traded to the Brooklyn Nets. So I'm pretty like, sure he wore a
2: fat suit. I don't know. I don't know. He cut that I, much I, weight. I, our, our, our was, our but was, was that a publicity cat. stunt? Yeah. That's a good question.
0: Yeah. Did he do that on purpose, like but so that he could get moved? I'm not saying Deshaun's just like James Harden, but that's something that could happen. Deshaun, he wants to win. He's 25. He wants to go somewhere and try to have a chance to win a Super Bowl. And I don't blame him. So you have to. If I'm the Texans, you got to get something for him. You can't trade like how you gave away DeAndre Hopkins for basically a flower basket, and, you know, some candy. Like you, you got to get something back in return. So I think if they try not to trade him. You have to convince them that you're going to bring assets around him to give you a chance at winning. That's the only way, in my opinion, I see him uh, uh, having some snaps with the Texans this year. If they promise him this offseason that they're going to try to make moves, get the pieces around him to win. Because if they don't, they're just they're just holding themselves back because he's not going to he's not going to have the same production because he's not going to want to play.
1: Yeah, definitely, I I agree with you. But I mean, it's just a situation where it's it's just finding the right fit because I mean for him. Deshaun Watson I just feel, I just feel bad because his situation especially is like they've wasted not wasted but they really just like just kind of just destroyed his not just i can't find the right word but trading away deandre hopkins for nothing was not the right move for to basically get your the best out of your for for deandre hopkins or for deshaun watson because like that was his main target and now when you take that away he really doesn't have anyone else to throw to that really is that reliable and can really be one to take over the game when you need him to and i mean for for him because isn't Oh, the Texans like asking like for so much money for him or something like that. They want like <laughs> they yeah, basically they, the whole. They want
2: like four picks and two starters, which is cr- it's ridiculous. It's crazy. I don't.
1: I, I just I, don't know if any team's ready to shovel
2: out that much. No, like the only like the only team that. Like, to me, like, Chicago makes sense. Obviously, we don't want that as Lions fans. But because they they just need to make a splash at quarterback because then the – or else the fan base is just going to hate them because that's really kind of what – like, they've been a team that's borderline a good quarterback and an improved offense away from being contenders. And, I mean, their defense was obviously better a couple years ago. I get that. They still got some other pieces with injuries. Mm -hmm. I I understand that. But the fact is, like, they are a team. Like, they made the playoffs this year somehow, and they don't have a quarterback. Like, they're another team that could make that push. And it's just and I know he's been in talks with the Broncos with some of their players, so that's another potential option because they also have a really good defense and some young weapons. I think Drew Locke is probably not gonna end up being the answer. I'd love to see him prove me wrong, but I mean the fact is he's just not had productivity and he's not been able to hold on to the football enough, it seems like at times. So I think there's plenty of options to go if you're you're Deshaun Watson. But if the Houston if Houston's gonna keep tension and do and do this, if Deshaun Watson really wants to get out of there, he's gonna have to commit to sitting out because there's no other way you're gonna really get it across. Where because if you don't, if you don't like, if, if you're talking the talk, you gotta walk the walk, or your your credibility is gonna go out the window.
1: Definitely, That's a,
2: yeah but that is going to be our show today thank you guys for tuning in Travis thank you for joining us as always yeah. we go check Thanks out for having me. yeah go check out Mikes and Takes on Spotify and Apple wherever you got your podcast, and check out us as well as we are finishing up our um, really kind of going into the end of the spring semester in a couple months and uh, it's going to be really exciting So, but Joe good show
1: today yeah take care everybody